Welcome to Crow Jam, the podcast where two sisters try to develop and pitch a board game concept in under an hour. I'm Miriam. I'm Georgia. We're Big Crow Games, and you can find us at Big Crow Games on Twitter, or see some of our creations on our itch page at big-crow.itch.io. We have reached the month of April. Yeah, it's uh, it's April now. How are you doing? How has your how's your Q one gone? Um, it's gone pretty good. I can't say I've uh, kept up many of my New Year's intentions of keeping the place clean and having good habits, which I listeners might remember. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm doing good on the whole. Uh, I'm really enjoying this sunny weather. I hope you've been getting it there as well. Yeah, it's it's been sunny up here today. It's been nice. I did. I taught one of my seminars outside today. I was very cool teacher. Nice. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm doing pretty good, and you know, hopefully that the old like spring cleaning, uh, energy will get into me, and I'll sort of sort my life out a bit on those things. Well, on the subject of of spring cleaning, uh, our theme for this week. I was really unimaginative because I couldn't really decide what I wanted our theme to be. So the word I have chosen is spring. Yeah. Did you have any ideas uh, jumping off of this? I had a couple uh, in that spring obviously has like multiple meanings, meaning like the season and, uh, you know, the season itself has got all these symbolisms to do with like renewal and... uh, you know, blossoming and things starting. But then to spring is also like to jump. So I was thinking about, you know, things to do with like jumping or skipping. Uh, and then also uh, like to spring something on someone, like to surprise them. So I was also thinking about surprises. Okay, yeah. I also have some surprise themes in my notes. So my things that I had written down, and these these all to some extent scare me as, as ideas. I was thinking about mechanical springs and the idea of like some kind of like jack-in-the-box type thing <laughs> or, you know, like pop-up pirate or... Oh, where something that, pops up and is surprising. That kind of thing. Um, and I had, yeah, I've got one of my lines written down is just ambush. Some kind of ambush game. Mm. <laughs> So not even a board game, just like like hide and seek. <laughs> I'm not sure we could fill an hour. Like you spring an ambush. Um, I had the idea of jumping. Like some racing games involve you like leapfrog over um, another player and and maybe like deduct something from them or what have you. Mm. I also had uh, very vaguely and faintly related to springs. Um, the idea of us trying to make a programming game. I don't know if you've played any programming games. Uh, I haven't. I'm sort of aware of the idea of them. So you would sort of like set out instructions and then follow the instructions once they're completed to try and achieve an objective. Yeah. Which makes it sound boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you... in theory, your like actions are pre-programmed by you choosing the order in which you want things to happen in in some way, or like 
you choose cards or what have you but then other players are also doing the same thing and everything will then happen you know in a preset order as determined by the programming stage so while while you know what order your choices are going to happen in you don't know how other players decisions are going to interact with that i mean that sounds really fun and interesting i'd love to be able to put some kind of stank on that that wasn't like you know like something that follows those kind of rules or ideas but isn't about a robot yeah so i have i've not properly played any um games like this i don't think i know i have played one um cult express okay uh the the 3d train game where you're like train robbers um and you get the actions that you choose are like punch another person and make them drop their loot or like move along the train or climb up on the roof um but things are obviously moving around during the game and you don't know what um you know whether the thing that you were going to pick up will be there when it gets to your action yeah this sounds this sounds like a lot of fun yeah do you think we it's a little bit too far away from spring as an idea like, do we want to bring something? Well, could in? we just add, yeah, add something that makes it springy? You know, something with a theme that's about being a baby rabbit. <laughs> or hmm. um, this has given me a weird idea, or an and, and it's it possibly a bit like overly ecological. But um, I'm I was thinking about phenomenology, which is a, a uh, like a study in like ecology and conservation or or it's a type of research you can do where you know that you know the like signs of spring like oh birds are building their nests or this flower's in bloom um we did a project at university where we were like um recording the first time it happened during the year and and over the years of students projects they could like track these phenomenological events getting earlier and earlier with climate change cool cool but i don't know i was thinking because those events are usually a response to some kind of ecological trigger usually like a temperature i guess like temperature or daylight hours or or something along those lines um but then the the like organism having done that thing can sometimes be at the wrong time because you know the the food supply that they would generally rely on hasn't done their thing yet or whatever i don't know that <laughs> no, I, I quite like it what this whole discussion is making me think about is tracks which is for the listener is a game that miriam developed basically by herself with input from uh, some friends and family but more or less miriam's completely original work which was about animals foraging for food and moving in particular ways and I was just wondering if we could sort of uh, maybe you wouldn't want to do this but maybe sort of like revisit the idea of tracks but come at it with this kind of programming game that's actually really interesting because there was something missing from from to from the like interest angle of playing tracks like it was to some extent a a mechanical system that works but I wonder whether as a programming game it 
and people choosing their moves um, accordingly, like choosing their moves in a programming game type way, whether that could be interesting, although it meant that would make it much more difficult for the like predator player, I guess, versus the the like herbivore players who are just trying to this is meaning nothing to the listener. So perhaps perhaps we should try and think of something similar, but not but not entirely. Yeah, that's sort of what I was suggesting, really, is that we sort of maybe revisit the theme or the idea, but sort of start thinking about it. What if... Should so we be hitting is... the timer? Yeah, I guess we should, really, shouldn't we? Um, let me just get my clock app open. That isn't it. Um, hmm. Okay, so here's what I was going to say, and maybe we shouldn't have started the timer because I'm just about to introduce a completely new idea. But something that we haven't made before is a solo game. Okay. And maybe, you know, uh, maybe this would work and maybe it wouldn't. I don't know a lot about programming games, but... You know, I, I sometimes think about solo gaming, you know, where you play against a dummy hand or you play against a deck. Um, I don't know, maybe those ideas are, are compatible. Like, you know, maybe the, um, you know, so think about, say, like, a rabbit and a fox as a kind of spring idea. Maybe the fox is automated in some way. It's simulated using a deck and you are trying to like program your rabbit round a board in an efficient way or something yeah okay interesting um so that that's made me think of a game that i learned just the other day it's a children's game called uh sos dino and it's not a programming game but it is a game where you are trying to like cooperative and you're trying to effectively do movement but also manipulate the hazards um to allow you to to complete the objective so you have four little dinosaurs who you're moving around on the board but you're they're all they're trying to escape the like lava flows of the volcano and escape to the mountains but you're also trying to collect eggs from the board and what happens is you're drawing tiles which extend the lava flows and those also tell you which dinosaurs you can move. But you can decide to some extent where the lava flow is going to go. But because it's a board with a grid, at a certain point, the, the lava flows will start messing with your dinosaurs being able to move and with them being able to rescue the eggs from the nest. Okay. Um, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I guess my the thing that made me think of that is, yeah, like the... It's the challenge of um, moving without, like, intercepting the hazard that you're trying to avoid. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. How, what are some ways that board games can incorporate, <laughs> I was going to say artificial intelligence, but I don't mean that in the way that it's popularly understood, but more like... Um, more like the ghosts in Pac-Man have a kind of artificial intelligence, right? Like, they'll behave in a particular way depending on what the player is, the player's status. They'll chase you if you're 
normal Pac-Man and they'll run away from you if you're deadly Pac-Man. Yeah. You know, it's a very simple artificial intelligence, but it is like a pre-programmed set of behaviours. What yeah. are some ways that board games can do that? So there's a game called Subterra, which is a cooperative game, and in that, the like horrors, which are these underground creatures that chase you, um, have a very specific set of rules. They will move directly towards the nearest like player pawn as long as that player pawn is closer than seven tiles. And if it's further than seven tiles, then everyone's safe from that particular horror. And I think that horror actually gets eliminated if it doesn't have a target within seven spaces of it. Okay, so um, so you can model like a set of behaviours for pieces that move in space. Yeah. I've um, played games where the sort of you're playing against a deck that sort of acts as a ticking clock you know you're you're moving through it and maybe that deck is sort of turning up like events or decisions you have to make um an example of this actually is the quiet year the the storytelling game right like you get to a certain point where you draw a card and that's it like time's up or the game shifts to a new mode so that's one way you can do that and I yeah. was actually thinking, I don't think this is compatible with other ideas we have, but I was thinking while I was walking home about suggesting that we come up with a game that could be played with a standard deck of cards. Okay. But that that might be nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like doing games like that, but they tend to be more narrative type game. Well, what if it's a game that's played against the standard deck of cards? Like, the there's player components and a player element, but your enemy is a deck of cards in some way. Yeah. It could... I think that that could be um, feasible. Um, for example, you know, when we were uh, playing tracks, we used a standard deck of cards to just... Uh, you know represent the moves that the different creatures had so you could have something similar like that where the suits represent different kind of move kinds of movements Mm -hmm. and maybe the numbers represent like to some to some extent like how how far they can move or something yeah amount of movement Um, or power of attack or something i was thinking that thinking about it in tracks we did actually develop some sort of uh some systems for automating things. Like we had a way to uh, generate where new food tokens would appear on the board. Yeah. And things like that. Like, So a potential challenge of a solo game in this vein that we're thinking about could be something like that where maybe you need to like collect a certain amount of pickup items and reach a certain safe space. But there are hazards that are, you know, determined by the deck or whatever. Yeah. What would be a cool theme for what we're trying to do? Um, I mean, I was thinking like a wildlife or ecological theme, partly because that's a theme that we both quite enjoy and also because it ties in with spring. But I do like the idea of it being... Uh, how to put it like a face-off I guess so like you know if the player is a rabbit then the automated deck is a fox or if the player is a human then the automated deck is a vampire or whatever like 
Okay, yeah. Hmm. And I suppose, I mean, if we were making this, this game that uses a, a standard deck of cards, we could potentially, like, write four variants where the you know the behaviors of the threat or whatever are different depending on what story you're telling oh man that would um, be really that would be really interesting alternatively like this again is maybe just me being really weird and abstract but what if it was like <laughs> what if it was kind of like a casino monster like like the deck of cards is kind of represents an enemy that is also sort of card themed <laughs> Like I'm imagining okay. like a golem made out of cards and poker chips and I don't know. That's that's just me just having a a brain moment. Yeah. I mean that made me imagine um rather than like in terms of things that the the deck could represent, that made me imagine like rather than there being specific types of movement, perhaps cards could represent location. Mm. And if you were moving around a board that represents the casino um, if you turn over a card and it and it show and it represents the location that one of your players is in, you know that then that player takes some harm or something like that. That this is a monster that can pop up anywhere. It's one of those insidious, you know, like emerges from the woodwork type monsters. Well, this in turn is making me think that maybe it's not sort of a literal monster, but it's more like the security team of a casino, like. Maybe Ooh. you're trying to do sort of like a programmed heist. Uh, so or yeah, both, because because that's where this is like a fantastical casino where the security team are like old, you know, yeah, like shifty shape changer monsters or something. Or Alice in Wonderland style card people. <laughs> um, so when you watch a heist movie like Ocean's Eleven or something, there's always a phase in the heist movie where the the sort of organizer describes exactly how the the heist is going to go, right? They're always yeah. Like, so that could almost be like the programming, and then that's so perfect for a programming game. You're right. I wonder if that's been done. I've definitely seen a. I cannot think what it's called, but I've definitely seen a game where you're running a casino heist, and there are guard characters that have artificial intelligence so there's guard characters that will follow a prescribed patrol pattern but then if you go near them or if you arouse their suspicion they'll chase you so i'm not imagining exactly that but i'm seeing something more like yeah you lay out your heist program as like a set of moves but then things will happen using the deck of cards that will yeah. interfere with that. Okay, so I, to go through something that's entered, what's entered my imagination from that idea, it, uh, this, this that I'm imagining is not a solo game, but we, we can definitely come back to a solo game. I'm now imagining a sort of standard cooperative game where you have the different people with the different roles, right? Because that's like a, a very central yes. sort of part of the Ocean's Eleven So like the, genre. the safe cracker, the, the leader, the distraction. So if you had, you know, it would probably be a smaller number of people who would slight, with slightly more generalised roles, but um, say like three player roles that have different abilities. And just like Cult Express, like each round of the game 
everybody programs what they're going to do but rather than competitive it's cooperative cooperative and you say like okay I'm the like you know the the break-in guy and maybe your ability is is like you won't get harmed because you've got the um you know the like abseil kit or, or whatever and you can be on the roof if you want to and as long as you're on the ceiling they can't get you I don't know no I um, I really like it how is this as like a, t- a take on that like it could be cooperative or solitaire um but thinking of a deck of cards again maybe there's four different roles and you can players can choose one or if you're playing solitaire you can choose to say take two suits from the deck of cards and those are your two roles kind of thing Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's just quite sort of abstract thinking. So yeah. how would the programming work? I was certainly, to no one's surprise, imagining cards. <laughs> yeah, um, I was imagining that too. And actually, now I think about it, like the Colt Express is not a million miles away from this. Like the players are trying to rob the train. Yeah, that's true. And <laughs> the actions that they can take are, are like moving and and like attracting the warden and things like that so something that Uh, could distinguish this from that so you you've been describing something that was like had turns right like you would do a certain amount of actions and then the ai player presumably would get a sort of certain amount of something happening and then that mm -hmm. repeats what if this is more like you have to plan the heist in full and then whatever the AI is doing is happening at the exact same time simultaneously yeah so So no turns just you set up and then you let it ride I love it it might it's very complicated game wise it might be nice to have like some ways that you can intervene while the Mm. actions happen if that makes sense but I think that as a whole, I really like that idea. Like you, you sort of plan your entire heist. Maybe the the like board state is slightly randomized or or like changes slightly every time you play. And you look at the board state and you say, okay, what do we want to do? At what points or what turns during the game do we think that we're going to be in position? Do we think that the guards are going to be um, in the way? And and you program everything. And then you just go. Yeah. I think there are possibly some games a bit like that. Or there, there's that's definitely a kind of thing that can be fun, where there's a reveal of, like, what's going to happen, and that can be a really enjoyable, like, bit of play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I really, I really like this. So, I mean, we'd have to think pretty hard about how it's put into practice like like how it's represented, how it's discussed, how it's decided, and then how it's played out. But I'm mm. I'm really into this idea of it having a planning phase that takes that is the majority of the game and then you just you you set your heist off and see if it works or yeah. not. So I think that I'm thinking that there could be if if the game involves like a map of the casino or what have you, yeah, 
it could be the case that there are multiple paths on that map, multiple routes into the casino. Um, and uh, players, you know, you can take more than one. Like one player can want to take one, one player can take another. And then perhaps the intervention that happens during the game, perhaps you you the what you program is like your movement and what how you'll move at certain times and perhaps some other actions like disabling the alarms or whatever. But what but when the when you finish programming and and you sort of like pull the trigger and all the things start happening, you can choose like okay. Uh, Player one is in the is in the safe room now. Should they get get the loot when the guards are just outside, or should they wait until we know that hypothetically player two is going to join them? Or yeah, like yeah, you know what I mean. So here's what I was imagining, uh, and uh, this is just an absolute big crow classic at this point. But it's a modular board <laughs> um, <laughs> with maybe either it has like separate like each tile is a room or maybe each tile is more like a segment of a room i'm not sure mm-hmm. but you basically like put the tiles together in an order that results in you know like a 3 by 3 grid just as an example so it's not a very complicated grid but it's quite a small number and then your movement you do just program with like you you have access to a large number of cards with forward arrows, back arrows, left arrows, and right arrows. And that just Mm -hmm. represents moving from tile to tile, and then actions you take when you're at that tile. So it's relatively simple, you know, you start in tile one, your end goal is tile five, where the the safe is. On your way there, you want to disable the security cameras. So it's like, move to security camera room, sabotage, move to safe room. And the Mm -hmm. only thing that, like, in theory, that should be a really simple program that you follow and then your your fellow players are doing similar things. But what's going to mess that up is if, like, the randomly programmed guard intercepts you or something like that. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, so we need to have, um, because everything's hypothetically programmed at the beginning, but we need to know like what the consequences will be if something happens that's not in the plan. Yes. Like does that does that component freeze and then its program restarts in two turns or That's exactly what I was imagining that that opponent just like suddenly anything that's like planned to kind of line up it's it's going to change or we could do things maybe like change the board state so that a room that wasn't locked is locked now. So Mm-hmm. But then you don't want that to be a complete fail state. But yeah, yeah I'm wondering whether um, programming the movement should be n- not quite so literal because I think that's tricky to do. Like the arrows, like you were describing, you know, it it w- it would be easy to no matter what the like sort of event consequences that we include r uh unless we have like a health bar or something Mm. it's going to end up being that do you know what i mean i do (laughs) know what you mean i think but then this idea the idea of a health bar maybe not for a character but what about sort of like 
like the health of the heist, you know, like you can be seen two times but not three or something. Yeah, or perhaps an alert level yeah. and like it when each time you're seen the alert level goes up and that makes the the danger greater. I still do sort of feel like the arrow based movement You're not you're not uh, keen. Well it What depends. are some other ways we could do it? Well, I am not sure, but I I was sort of imagining, like, I was imagining perhaps a more complicated map, but that has set routes. Like, them, you know, it could be lots, like it could be there are six ways in, but those are the ways in available to us. So you'd, and, like, choose a route, like maybe they'd be colour-coded or something. Yeah. And rather than be... um like you choose which direction you're going you could say you your programming could be like i'm you know on this turn i'm going to move this many spaces along whatever route i don't know it's tricky i think that it we might want to abstract it out a bit more okay and be more like more like plan the steps like more like write the story rather than thinking too heavily about the actions you know like no i i i do know what you mean especially because you know like the imaginative starting point for this for me is that you know the part of oceans 11 where he's like while i'm doing this you're going to be doing this and you don't want the game to feel like when i'm moving forwards one space you'll be turning left (laughs) yeah i think that's that's what i'm getting at so i don't know how much like interaction with the board there'll be perhaps perhaps it's very minimal yeah so how's this like the different types of character have a deck available to them that has lots of different actions and moves some of them are standard some of them are special. So, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone gets safe crack, but everyone gets move. Uh, not everyone gets uh, distract guard, but everyone gets hide. Um, or whatever. And there's a set number of actions that you can take. And there is also a goal for the heist, which is, let's say, all players in the same room at the same time. And, you know, various objectives completed. Yeah. So let's say you have, for argument's sake, six things that you can do in order to try and achieve that. So everyone says, okay, my first card is move. My first card is, I'll start here and my first card is safe crack. Mm -hmm. And you go around and everyone agrees the thing they do first. And everyone agrees to the thing they do second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And at the same time, like, six random cards are dealt for any AI. You know, maybe just the AI represents what the casino's going to do. And it'll be, like, a mm-hmm. uh, security guard on the main floor. And it just says, yeah. like, there'll just be one there on turn three. Yeah. So there's a factor that you can't control for, but everything else is really controlled. But if you use your move card, that just means that's one turn where you can move anywhere on the map. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. 
or like you can you can move a certain amount you have the ability to move on that turn and you know turns out if that if you're already in the place where you needed to save crack and you know that the next card is save crack you waste the current turn because you don't use the move but you know like that but you yeah you've set it out in advance and so the goal you know say there is some things where to do it both like two players have to be doing the same thing at the same time so they have to be in the same place and one has to use they both have to use handoff on turn four uh because yeah like that one of them has something that the other one needs yeah does that Uh does that make sense that makes sense to me. I, I mean, I think we would want to. We would probably want to drill down, um, like how many turns it, and stuff. Yeah, into detail a little bit. But I like, I like the idea of that. And so this um, is definitely not a solo game at this point. I'd say like you have to. I suppose you could do it like you could play a solitaire version where you model several characters at once. Mm-hmm. But what I like yeah. about it is the idea that you know. Turn one, everyone turns over their card and resolves. Yeah. And then turn two, everyone does the same. Yeah. And it could be... This could be a game that that's played cooperatively with discussion, or it could be a limited communication game, which was, would obviously be a lot trickier. Mm. But it, it could still happen. Like, it could be that you program what you're doing and turn cards over and then... You know, everyone looks at your card and they're like, no, <laughs> why? Why did you choose that? Yeah. Yeah, um, I can see that. I feel like I prefer a version where there's talking in advance, but I do like yeah. the idea that there's like a time limit on that. You know, there would be like... No, you... I think I agree with you, actually, that the like the collaborative discussion is, is nicer. It's It fits more thematically, like... We are the the heist team planning our moves. And then, so yeah, we plan our moves in advance and then moves are locked in once you've like set your cards in order. But then things can happen with the other deck that will like mess that up in some way. Maybe like your, your piece can be moved or, you know, the, the risk... Yeah, maybe the risk factor goes up. Yeah, okay. What are some ways that the the game deck can interfere with us? We could have, like, your pieces moved, you know, backwards or randomly in a direction. We could have... Your pieces maybe, um, like, held in place. Pieces Uh, held in place. Uh, Perhaps the presence of security prevents you from being able to take an action that turn, like if you were going to crack the safe, but there's a camera on you. Yeah, so maybe, like, certain cards in your deck could have icons on them, maybe, that, say, like, a camera with a strike through it that's just, like, you can't do this in a room with a working camera. Yeah. Um, You can't do this in a room with a guard. Yeah. Um, And then that maybe makes, you know, the opportunity, like, say if a certain amount of the, the enemy deck is to do with cameras that could make disabling the camera system a high value move on the part of the heisters you know if you've got a hacker 
Yeah, so available actions could be like hacking the cameras or distracting the security. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like and this also, is a cool idea. This is one of our games that would will be very hard for us to like really demonstrate works within the hour, but... Um, I feel like there's something to it. I'm a little worried that it's kind of similar to this game that I can't really put my finger on it, but that it, that has a casino heist angle to it. But I don't think that has this idea of all your moves being set in stone before you start. I think that's what mm -hmm. makes this original. But if we wanted yeah. to like wind back the casino theme, we could, I suppose. But I feel like no, both I of us kind of ended up really in on it, yeah. Uh, it's really cool. I mean, there's... So a game that's sort of weirdly similar to this, or at least to some of the um, ideas that you pitched earlier, is Magic Maze. Okay. Um, it's a cooperative game. Okay, it's not that similar, but I d it, it's sort of thematically similar in a way. You play as um, adventurers who are trying to raid a shopping arcade and get like the items that they need. And it's almost like the opposite of a programmed game. It's played in silence. There's a stand timer. And the goal is to like get all the things and get out, but you're not al ever allowed to let the stand timer finish. So one of the things you can do is move on to a space that says turn the stand timer over. <laughs> like, you know, like while it's mid flow. But basically in the game, um, everybody can move all the pieces, but each person only has one direction that they can go and has like one additional action they can use. So maybe I can move pieces north and I can use escalators and nobody else can do those things. So if somebody's waiting on me to move a piece so that they can, you know, up an escalator so that they can get to the item that that piece needs, like they they're not allowed to say that to me. There's a very specific mechanic in it where there's just like a little like frustration pawn that you can put in some in front of someone and like <laughs> glare at them and be like, do something, <laughs> do a thing. Um. Uh -huh. So I have just sent Miriam the link for the game that I couldn't remember the name of. And that game is Burgle Brothers 2, the casino to campus. Ah. And this is, it has a pre-made grid of cards and it has like bouncer characters that have a sort of artificial intelligence angle to them and stuff. So it's it's got some, quite a lot of shared DNA with the idea that we're having. So I think that makes me want to change some things that I've proposed. But overall, it's not that similar. It's not like... Uh, programming mm -hmm. thing but it does have uh, yeah it does have some similarities okay so one of the things I think then instead of pitching a modular board even though I pitch that basically every episode I'm gonna say that the casino has a set layout like it's got a traditional board kind of like a Cluedo board Mm -hmm. uh, but instead the sort of randomised element is maybe like placement of tokens that represent guards, security cameras, um, 
other patrons, uh, maybe even like enemy heisters who are after the same enormous diamond or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... I was definitely imagining that, like, um, you know, there would be there would be some initial hazards or initial obstacles that you know you need to navigate when you make your initial plan so that you know every time you play your initial plan might be slightly different yeah um but then during the action the game will be playing against you and and things will change rapidly yes yeah that's quite important to me like and it it could be it could actually be you know so, some of those hazard cards could be like a guard that you didn't know was there mm, appears like in a, such and such a place. A plane club. But it could also be like a a guard that a, a guard determined somehow moves a certain number of spaces closer to the nearest person to it. Mm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it could be like plain a plain clothes guard is like a guard that turns up somewhere that you didn't know was there, or it could be like guard patrol and they move in a a predetermined pattern that's maybe marked on the card or something. Um, yeah, this is cool. Um, I agree. So I think there's loads and loads of ideas for us to talk on this because it's so uh, thematic. So let me try and keep my thoughts in order. One of my first questions is, what kinds of space would we expect it to have? Like, what places would be on the board? Um, I suppose, I guess if we're heisting, uh, it depends on, is this a day heist or a night heist? Like, are we starting from the casino floor as patrons and then going in, you know, incognito? Or are we taking things on? Actually, casino day and night doesn't matter. So. Yeah, day to <laughs> casino is a 24-hour concern. I was certainly imagining a gaming floor. I was certainly imagining a safe. Uh, I think it would be fun to have other spaces, kitchen, uh, like bathrooms, maybe like a security room. So there's somewhere that the hacker has to be if they want to hack the security cameras or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like service and there's, you know, there's like presumably there's there's like corridors there's like areas of the board that are mostly just a to b yeah sort of thing. yeah i think there should be some of that like bottlenecks and stuff um mm -hmm. just as a uh as this pops into my head we've been talking about having like specialist type characters but what if instead of having specialist type characters there was some way that you built your deck first before programming maybe there was like a, a draft or a or something so that you first select the abilities that you have and then try and put them into a reasonable order maybe discarding some so that you don't always end up with someone who's like oh i can hack security cameras and you know do technology stuff and then you've got another person that's like i'm distracting and sexy but you could be both good at hacking and distracting and sexy, or you could have a bunch of other completely unrelated skills. Kind okay, of, yeah. Kind of breaking like down that. the stereotypes so that you more like build your portfolio of abilities and then try and put them into play effectively. 
I think that would be cool. I think the the simple version of that that I'm imagining is like the in the deck building phase. And perhaps you can look at the board state and, and there might be some some benefit to like seeing how things are that are at the beginning that would help you choose what you might want to specialise in. Yeah, maybe there's but there not could that be, many guards or something. Like obviously every player's gonna have standard actions that are like move and what have you, move, hand off, um and things like that. And there could be like miniature decks that contain a you know, a small number of like role specific actions and you get to choose three or something. Okay, yeah. So you could take like uh, the distraction deck yeah. and the and the distraction decks kind of got like blend in disguise and seduce. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I love that. So they're little sets uh, of three cards that go together, and then you pick like a certain number of them, more than yeah. you would actually have the opportunity to use. I would say, mm-hmm. like if we ended up with a game that was played over nine turns, you'd want to be like discarding a certain number of your actions and not using them in favor of other ones so there's more choice yeah it's not just Hmm. about arranging nine cards into the right order but it's about like choosing and having agency over it yeah uh so what kinds of things would a player want to be able to do so uh I guess I I I'm certainly imagining we're doing a casino heist that the like goal the objective is in a central location and is like the big payload. Yeah, I'm imagining yeah like a huge safe in the middle. So in the meantime our players want to be able to like disable security, potentially incapacitate guards, uh maybe like find uh security information or find um you know like locate information that's going to help them get into the safe uh yeah so you wouldn't need a player with the ability to safe crack if you just found the safe code yeah um and yeah and then basic movements so we've talked about like handoff for example like one player has something and they need to give it to another player they both need to be in the same place on say turn four and on turn four they both need to play handoff and if for whatever mm-hmm. reason one of them isn't there then the handoff doesn't happen mm-hmm. um so do we need an action for pick up like if you're in the room with the notebook on turn three, do you have to play pick up on turn three? Hmm. That's a, that's definitely tricky because as a, like in terms of programming, it feels hard to uh, ensure that you're gonna have the right be be in the right place at the right time, which is sort of making me imagine something and I don't know whether we would want to do this but could it be that action cards have an A-B choice like 
you know, one could be like the primary thing that you're intending to do, but you do something else if you if that's not going to work at the certain time. So it could be like move or uh, investigate for info or maybe it's something not like that. something that's printed on the cards, but like you have a a substitute action, or maybe you have three cards that represent substitute actions. You know, when you're drafting your character, maybe there are, like, colourless cards where you can play them while your program is running to cover up your turn four action. Oh, okay. So Play while program's running, yeah. So you could swap like it for, like, hide, fight, yeah. leave, or something. Yeah. And you have, like, a limited number, but they're yeah. available. Yeah, you can't, you couldn't do it every turn. I was imagining three, to be honest. I was imagining yeah, maybe everyone has the same ones or maybe there are different groupings of them. But you mm-hmm. can do a substitute action so that, like, oh, the person I'm making a handoff with here isn't here, but they're going to be here next turn, so I'll hide. Or yeah. they're not going to be here next turn, so I'll move and try and meet up with them mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. And I suppose thinking about the handoff action like if you if you planned it to happen at a certain time and two people weren't in the same space that could go badly but it could be that like in some other co-op games you don't need to be the person with the thing for the handoff action to work so like you know you could have player a has said they'll hand off on turn four but player b's not there yet but player b has said they'll hand off on turn five and as long as they're both in the same place and somebody plays hand off so it's like it'll a, work. a dead drop yeah yeah i'm i'm into it so like you know we can make things like that work but mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool um we're coming up on 40 minutes we're past 40 minutes so oh dang yeah, we've really gone in on this. I wonder, do we need to do more, like, teasing out of the gameplay? Should we try and describe gameplay? Something we do is, like, describe a turn, but I guess this is not something that's got traditional turns. Hmm. Yeah. So let's I... let's imagine the game as we've described it so far. You and I are playing. The first thing we do is select some little sort of micro decks of three cards of related ideas that will form our our deck our action deck mm-hmm. and we choose, along with our standard actions along with our standard actions so we get a set of standard actions a certain number of those we get a certain number of our special action groups that maybe represent related ideas like Hacking, distracting, infiltrating, uh, fighting. Um, And then Mm -hmm. we also each get three substitute actions. And then from there, with the number of cards that we have, we discuss how we think we're going to do the heist in nine turns. And we agree on... A set of nine actions that we're each going to take in order. And at the same time, we are blindly drawing and shuffling nine cards from the casino security deck. Mm-hmm. 
Now, in front of us is a board which represents a map of the casino. It's a map board, which is what we love to do here at Big Crow. Uh, and as part of setup, we've randomised where a certain number of known guards and a certain number of known cameras are going to be. Yeah. And we know this in advance when we're planning our heist. We've, we've got the blueprints. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at this phase in the game, we have a randomised enemy, we each have a planned set of nine actions, and we have a board which always has the same structure but has like different randomised elements to it. Yeah. And then one by one, we make our moves, and simultaneously, so we're doing that at the same time as each other, and we're also doing that at the same time as the the casino deck is yeah so if uh so what something so somebody could move into you know the behind stage area somebody else could be uh disabling a camera and then we turn over the casino deck and we've revealed that two of the initial security guards are going to like move towards their nearest target by a certain amount. Yes. And maybe that puts one of our players in jeopardy. But uh, too bad because uh, most of our actions are pre-programmed unless we want to use a substitute action like hide. Yeah. So what happens, like what is, is it as simple as if you are in a room with a guard unless that guard is in some way compromised, I'm imagining a two-way token, you know, alert guard, asleep guard, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in a room with that guard, then you cannot take your action. Mm -hmm. Or if you do take your action, you're going to raise the alert level? Yes, potentially. Uh, so that might be... I suppose that raising the alert level is going to impact somehow what the, like, pre-drawn cards do so maybe each of the like casino deck cards has like three alert level things and depending which level you're at depends sort of what intensity of thing is going to happen okay. like either how far the guards can move or how many of them move or that's things like that that's cool i like that um and i i also because i was imagining the alert level kind of as like a hit points for the mission kind of mm -hmm. thing you know like you raise the alert level to three that's it like you mm -hmm. you do not win uh but it could be both you know yeah so you start at alert level zero go to alert level one then you know the yeah you start using the alert level one level on the card two and then if it goes to alert level three then that's game over yeah, um, that's like that. There are games that that have similar things like that, like Forbidden Desert, for example. Yeah, I've been thinking the... quite a lot about the Forbidden series of games for this. Weirdly, even though there's not tons in common. Mhm. Mm I mean, they're classic co-op games. Yeah, they're really. They're. I mean, for differing degrees, but I love the Forbidden games. I always think if I'm going to try and show a non-board gamer what a co-op game is. Forbidden Island is a way better on-ramp than Pandemic. Yeah, for sure. 
And Forbidden Desert is 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 like Forbidden Island, but just with everything slightly tightened and made slightly nicer, in my opinion. Like... I've I've never played Forbidden Desert, but I love Forbidden Island. And and it's exactly as you say, there's this certain point that you get past where everything just gets more difficult because you're raising the water level twice. You're like Yeah. It's just really good. And it and Pandemic has a similar kind of ramp as well, although I don't think it's as elegantly done. So mm. Yeah, so if you're going to take your action, and this doesn't count for basic actions, I suppose, but if you mm-hmm. if you take your action in a room with a guard, you either raise your alert level or you have to use a substitute action. So this, yeah, okay. this is something that I was thinking. Uh, like, we have this idea of basic actions, right? Which is like, move, move, hide... I don't know, some maybe just yeah. that. Um, I was imagining that there could be like low level versions of some things, like, I don't know, obscure a camera, for example, for example as, a, as a basic action. Yeah, something that everyone could do. There's a person with a specific role and they do a more effective version of that. Yeah. Like, everyone can, you know, like incapacitate a guard for a turn, but the assassin. Okay, not assassin, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like and then, the infiltrator can can take them out more permanently. And then the other kind of card, there is another kind of card that we've discussed, which is these substitute cards. So what I was imagining is that maybe these cards are like uh, monochrome. They're like black and white, you know, like so that you can easily distinguish them from the group. But also, like any monochrome card isn't a guard alerting action. <laughs> But okay, then the yeah. other actions are color coded, uh, and using any color coded card would attract guard attention. So yeah, and then you basically either achieve the heist, the conditions of the heist, or not. Uh, and then you win, or not. Yeah. So we, we've got 10 minutes left, haven't we? Yeah, so obviously like this would be really hard to balance and would need loads and loads of playtesting and all of that, just the usual caveats that we usually have on a big crow game. <laughs> but there is... I really think that there's a kernel of something here uh, for like a programmed heist game. Yeah, and we've done it. We've done a spring game. It's programmed, but also we're like springing a heist. Yeah. We're bringing the safe. <laughs> bringing the we're, loot. We're going to spring all these jewels. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like spring is maybe more commonly used for like springing a prisoner, but sure. <laughs> we knew what we were We're going to liberate these jewels. So with 10 minutes left, this is usually when we start thinking about brand, visual identity. Um, yeah, those, yeah, those kind of things. What would this look like? <sighs> Because we normally go pretty strong on on our sort of visual identity and like a, a real graphical style, but this does feel like quite a busy game. The thing that this most prompts for me in terms of like a reference is Cluedo, which yeah. makes me think that maybe kind of like a retro, um, you know, like a sort of twenties inspired, you know, like painted portraits of characters and stuff. Like, very mm-hmm. old school, much more old school than anything we usually do. 
obviously like yeah. one thing I want to do is make it visually distinct from Burgle Bros, which is very sort of cartoonish and it still yeah. also has like a very charming retro. Uh, it's sort of like secret show ish, isn't it? I I don't know that. Yeah, it's a cartoon, but it it that it's that sort of style, or, or it's reminiscent of that to me, like sort of very stylized, um, like flat the color cartoon characters doing sneaky stuff. Mm. So yeah, I um, was I was imagining something more like painterly, I suppose, something more like Cluedo, Clue for the yeah. American listener. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool, and yeah, we could we could have like a sort of limited color pal- palette for the casino and make it sort of seem quite classy looking. Yeah. Uh, I. Hmm. What about names and stuff? Yeah, I. I don't know. Like the thing that I was thinking is like maybe doesn't go with the visual theming that I've just described but i was imagining calling it something like so here's how it's gonna go ah yeah i like i like that it yeah i like i do like a long name although you don't see them that much in like in tabletop you know hobby gaming yeah um i was thinking about we could like really lean into the sort of oceans 11 theme and but we could use the number nine because we've been talking about nine turns. Like, mm. um, brings nine or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I um, I get you. But no, maybe we want to, to evoke the theme a bit harder in the title. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because now I'm kind of thinking like, um, I don't know, calling it something like nine minutes or something. Ooh, that's quite nice. Nine nine minutes. Like, if if you are pulling off a heist, and you know, I dare say this rarely, if ever, happens. You probably do have a very limited window of time. Certainly, in a heist movie, which I think is our real source of inspiration. Yeah, everything has to come off like, you know, perfectly. Like nine minutes is almost too much. But yeah, maybe like. Nine minutes uh, to midnight is worse. Nine minutes no. is better. Now I'm thinking about a stitch in time, you know, like, uh, you know, something like that. But I, th- I think I just like nine minutes. That's yeah, cool do you like me. it more than, so here's how it's going to go? I like that. Could we make, could we make it slowly, slightly more succinct for, for the game box? Like, here's the plan or whatever. Here's the If we if we're doing here's the plan then I'm insisting on a so. So here's the plan. But uh, I would be just as happy to call it 9 minutes and then have it like a tagline. Okay. What about like yeah. 9 minutes colon so here's the plan. <laughs> yep. Into it. I think I'd probably just call it 9 minutes on our blog post but that's not so important. Yeah. Um So here's the plan. Yeah, uh, I, this so is something cool. I like about this is that while I think the casino theme is good, you could quite easily reskin it, or just like if you if we wanted to distance it even further from Burgle Bros and various other things, is you know it's a casino in space or yeah, 
whatever. But, you know, anything where there's some, you know, it's an infiltration crime game. It could be springing someone from from jail to, keep, yeah. to stick with spring a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I like this. I have this feeling that it feels like a game that that could like play out quite quickly and is maybe one of those cooperative games that's quite addictive like maybe you play it with your friends once and and you're so close mm. but don't don't quite make it and you're like well should we just try again yeah yeah i totally see that um yeah i i Part of me is wondering whether it would be cool to do like a really different graphical style from what I described and just have it be like much more black and red uh, and more inspired by a traditional deck of cards. Um, so, you know, we were talking about having like guard alerting cards and non-guard alerting cards. So that could be the kind of black and red distinction okay. and things like that. But I don't, I don't know if I like that better or if I like the idea of doing something. Now I'm thinking about like Spade Slick. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's. It was only a matter of time before we made a direct Homestuck reference on the podcast. Because yeah, because your different roles could sort of be something like that. Anyway, <laughs> just, just good stuff. I stand by it. I still think Homestuck is enjoyable. Sorry, y'all. You're not you're not wrong. Um so yeah, this has been kind of the opposite of the last uh recording we did. We've actually ended up really pretty much going to time. Uh so in the last couple of minutes, let's summarize what we did. What have we made? <laughs> we have made um a casino heist themed cooperative programming game where the heist is planned in the initial phase of the game and the second phase of the game, the players have much more limited control over their actions uh, and have to play out their actions according to the moves that they programmed and will be hindered and intercepted by a randomly programmed deck. That represents the security of the casino that you are heisting and you do still have some ability to resist the enemy and try and achieve the heist, but it, as Miriam said, it's like limited during the game. And the game that we have, we we've named it Nine Minutes. Uh, we've themed it with sort of a very traditional old school board game look, uh, in the theme of sort of Cluedo. And. I'm really, I'm, this is one of the ones, I don't always feel like this at the end of uh, Crow Jam, but I know we've done a good one where I'm like, maybe we could just book in a couple of planning sessions and start mapping this one out, you know, maybe we could make this one. I know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, telling my colleague about this one, you know, he often enjoys the ideas that I tell him about, but I think this is one that he'd be really like intrigued by it as an idea yeah um, yeah yeah i held hell no what do i want to make this game though joshua it sounds so complicated yeah it does sound complicated but i would really like to prototype it and just like see what it was like because 
it I, I imagine that it is possible to make this into something that's fun like you said something that feels addictive and that you want to just like set up and play again and again especially because it feels quick depending on how long you spend on your planning phase but I do also think that it has the potential to not be fun at all and I just feel like <laughs> I wouldn't know until I, <laughs> I modeled it like yeah like, would it just be frustrating or would it just be, like, way too easy? Or possibly would it be basically impossible? Like, <laughs> I really yeah. can't, like, because, you know, we have very limited time when we do these. I can't imagine exactly how easy or hard it would be, but I'd be really interested to find out, like, how do you finally balance, you know, a game where you play against a randomised deck? and Yeah. Yeah. I I think it could be super interesting. Now you're talking about it, like how easy would it be? I'm thinking that three substitute actions in nine turns could be quite a lot. Yeah, but... Like, assuming the substitute actions always make you safe. Yeah, this was the thing I was thinking, you know, we're going to go past our hour. But, like, the way you would balance for that, I think, would either be to make the substitute actions weak or make them random so that you don't necessarily know if they're going to be helpful to you or not like like maybe they could all have a downside if you know what okay. i mean like yeah i'm not sure yeah anyway this, this is super cool this i this didn't feel like the direction we were going when we started this no episode, it, it but... really <laughs> maybe i don't know how much the theme that i brought really <laughs> did anything but Oh no, we totally like we really um jumped off of that, I think. It is just we really like to go down surprising alleys. <laughs> yeah. Uh so All right. yeah, I've well I've had a great time recording with you today. Thanks for coming. Um and thank you for the cool theme and, and bringing lots of really nice uh ideas to this. And this will be our 10th episode, so that's pretty exciting. It is. I can't believe we've been doing this for, for so long, but it's been great. Cool. And we will see uh, all our lovely listeners next month. But until uh, then... Come on! <laughs>